2016, the first podcast of the year. Morning, Matt. Good morning, Erin. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Yeah? I think so. I mean, it's only a little bit on Monday, so I think it's going okay. Off to a good start. I hate to bring it down, but uh, did you hear the bad news? Sad news? Which bad news? Sad news? Oh, oh about David Bowie? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 69. Yeah. Gone too soon. Too soon. Yeah. They called him a chameleon of music. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy went through a lot of changes. changes. <laughs> oh, that was bad. That Sorry. was really bad. For those of you who don't know, David Bowie just passed away on, what, Saturday? Something uh, like Sunday. That. He was 69. Had an 18-month battle with cancer. Yeah. Known for music, movies, actor. Fashion makeup. Fashion. F- fashion. <laughs> what? That's just another song. Um yeah, I remember thinking uh, when I when I was old enough to like recognize him as like somebody you know like a pop star or whatever. Thinking as a kid, like no one's gonna like this guy; he's a freak. <laughs> and then he just became like this permanent fixture over. I thought, what beautiful cheekbones he uh, has! Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't think that for yeah. what it's worth. Yeah, but I was always impressed. Uh, like, you know, the hair and the... You know I what I... a lot of time in makeup. You know what I learned last week? What's that? That there are voice recording studios in the 4-H building where they have these little rooms that have padded rooms with, like, the little eggshells. Oh, yeah? They have professional microphones. Ooh, oh. And recording devices. And Why are so we here? We're in this... Office? I mean, it's an office, it I guess, technically, but... It is... T- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if we want to step up our game even more with sound quality, can we just walk over there and do we, it? We can, we can do that. So let's do it. The sound might it. be even better, which is Something might be good for the to. summertime when it's really hot in here. Yeah. So just throwing oh, that out there. Yeah, because oh my god, your office gets so hot. <laughs> well, it's no, there's oh. no air conditioning. No, there is. Well, yeah, you're right. There is no air conditioning while we're when talking. We do this because it's so you have a jet engine for. <laughs> air compressor <laughs> just so loud hey when i said did you hear the bad news you let on like there was multiple bad news well are I you mean, referring he, to you ricky are... gervais's uh MCing the golden globes last night no i just you get a lot of different types of news so oh, i mean i knew yeah. of a couple things but what's the other thing i don't know you said a couple things like the david bowie thing and the bad dresses at the golden globes oh. And then we heard about this new yeah, EPA right. thing coming so out. So let's talk about that. So um, on the 7th, EPA announced that uh, based on their evaluation of the data, and it's not data that they generated, right? It's just data that they've gone out and looked up. Imidacloprid is harm, may be harmful to bees. It's a threat, bees. I think they said, right? Mm. It's a threat to honeybees. Yeah. No, I don't think it was just the EPA. I think it was a joint statement with the California Department of Pesticide Regulation. Yeah, yeah. My understanding is California's uh, EPA, uh, which it, I think that's what that yeah. is. This, Our version of IDELS. Yeah, is uh, is large, like significantly large, yeah. and has a lot of influence because, um, one, they have a very diverse and large agriculture sector in California, and and two, they tend to lead the way in in terms of regulations that are initiated at the state level, at the California state level, then permeate 
throughout the rest of the country. Yeah, it's a large area, and they have very diverse crops. Yeah. So they sometimes have many different crops growing in a small area. And so maybe a way to think about this is, you know, Iowa, we're a large ag state, but we're fairly focused on corn and soybeans, right? Corn and soybeans aren't necessarily a big part of California's ag, but fruits, vegetables, wheat, alfalfa, uh, livestock, dairy, all a big part of California. So if there's a product or something, they have, uh, what? to deal with it in a way that we don't. Yep. Plus, I heard this. California, ninth largest economy in the world. Yeah, they could be their own country. I mean, in a way, they're their own country. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's another reason why that's kind of important, I think, to note. What else? What else about that? Because part of the reason uh, I took notice of it was how quickly it spread kind of throughout the, the web. Like the yeah. general public. Well, in, in uh, Washington Post, Mother Jones, Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, interesting left. I, I didn't see it on Facebook. None of my mm. people posted on Facebook, but mm. maybe that's well, just a sign that I don't have a lot of entomology friends on Facebook. Or like pesticide uh, people or, yeah. or that kind of thing. But I think there's a 60-day open comment period like they do for all the dockets mm-hmm. that they have where people can submit comments to the docket. And... Really, this is just the first one out of four, right? So they're planning of the, of they, the active ingredients that they're. They plan to do on, all right? four neonics this year, in 2016. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. So this is part of the the what every decade the registrate the products that are registered by EPA have to go through a, a revision or a review. So yeah. this is part so, of that. So this is the first one, a medical bread. Yeah. So the class of insecticides and neonicotinoids are up for review. Yeah around this time and yeah yeah so next would be clothianidin thymethoxum and then the last one which i'm not sure if if i'm not saying it right dinotofuran oh wow it's a a product i'm not familiar with but they're all um neonics Mm -hmm. and imidacloprid is apparently the most commonly used insecticide in the world right yeah yeah. yeah, and in the United yeah. and in the United States, as mm-hmm. if the United States is a part of the world. Yeah. So this is kind of a biggie. I'm kind of. I think this is kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, I read a, a few criticisms. You know, they said that basically this is really specific. It's looking at these insecticides and their threat to honeybees. Mm-hmm. And so a few of the criticisms that I read were. Uh, maybe like one example came from Xerxes and they said, well, what about other bees? Other bees? What about other pollinators? Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. butterflies? What about just non-targets? And so they they were looking for a little bit more information, but you know, it's really specific. Well, so my understanding of that is uh, honeybees are the surrogate, and maybe that's not the right word, but they're the the species that EPA uses when it comes to um, considering the impact of an insecticide on a bee and on a pollinator. Yeah, an so, adult honeybee, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And um, this this has been up for some discussion by EPA about how appropriate that is. And I think they add, maybe add in some levels you know, of exposure to account for maybe other bees. But, yeah, there are bees of varying sizes and behavior um, that are very different from 
mm-hmm. honeybees. Yeah. So, what uh, one thing I, I saw in that, that a lot of the articles focused on was that the biggest contributor to this threat to honeybees is cotton and citrus, and that I, they didn't identify. Well, they I think they said corn and leafy vegetables likely contribute very little of this exposure to bees. Mm. Notice they didn't say anything about. I, I didn't see anything about soybeans. Okay. What? No, I haven't read anything. Yeah. I just read uh, there was one response from industry that came from Bayer, and um, they thought that this risk assessment was an overestimate of the potential exposures in certain crops while ignoring the important benefits of neonics to those crops. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the only industry response you know, that was out there in the public. But, yeah, um, I think also some people were questioning – the importance of bees and tomatoes. Bum- is it bumblebees and tomatoes? And thinking that tomatoes are a really important crop that wasn't really on, oh, in, on the, in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it, yeah, so the I don't know how much imidacloprid is used in tomatoes. I don't know either. Yeah. My, my understanding is in cotton, it's very, very common. And it's one of the most important insecticides they have when it comes to thrips, mm-hmm. which I, I was reading an article or. Um, Somebody had interviewed Gus Lorenz, who's a entomologist out of um, Arkansas. No, Georgia. Um, UA. Um, University of Arkansas. I think that's right. I hope it's not Alabama. Oh, that's embarrassing if I'm getting those two confused. But the point is, Gus was saying that you know for cotton, this is a, a product that they feel they really need to use for mm-hmm. thrips, and without it, they they run the risk of significant damage um yeah it's interesting um that this is probably going to be a case-by-case basis right Mm -hmm. as to you know the threat versus the the benefit so in this analysis i think epa has to do a not a cost benefit yeah cost benefit right so Mm -hmm. like a risk cup thing yeah so risk cup is another factor another another issue where they they like they, they, they group uh, active ingredients of the shared chemistry. So all the neonics would go into the risk cup, and then you'd ask, okay, are you above mm. uh, an aggregate exposure? But, okay. But for each product, I think they have to do a cost-benefit. Mm. Like, okay, what's the benefit? Well, it's the only thing we have for thrips and cotton. What's the cost? It has this impact on bees. Well, then what would we replace it with? And Yeah. You know, yeah. And um, are there ways to mitigate that risk? You know, do you, do you use a lower rate or, you know, hmm. you know, do you apply it at a different time or, you know, do you, you move, do you, do you ask beekeepers to move their bees further away from cotton fields? And yeah, it, it's interesting what comes next. I mean, it's not settled, right? This oh, is yeah. just the, what the, the announcement that they, the EPA finds this to be a threat. Yeah. That, that, that's my understanding. Yep, and just like more to come, I'm sure. More comments from every side. What do you think the impact's going to be for Iowa? If they ban a culprit? Yeah. I mean, that's a product that's used on almost every corn seed treatment. Um, it's, it is used on some soybean seed treatments as well, so that's definitely going to affect the seed treatment industry. Um, 
It is also sometimes used as a foliar product. <clears throat> Uh, Neonex. Well, I'm not sure exactly if a metacloprid is used as a foliar, so I'm not sure how much it would impact the foliar applications later in the season, but definitely a C treatment. Is cobalt, is that the foliar mix of imidacloprid and, um, I forget the, Lambda Um <clears throat> Cobalt is... Jeez, it's uh, chlorpyrifos and lambda hyalothrin. Cyhal oh, okay. <clears throat> so it's not a new yeah, Um Just fact checking, Gus Lorenz um, is the uh, University of Arkansas entomologist. Mm -hmm. I, I had to, I had to make sure I was. I don't know all all those guys down there. They have a bunch of entomologists. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, it, again, it sounded like from EPA's assessment that the impact of the seed treatments, or the, yeah, well, I shouldn't say seed treatments, but the impact of imidacloprid on bees through corn is limited. Um, so it'll be interesting to see going forward if, if there's an outright ban or if there is a selective banning or restriction on imidacloprid for those crops where there's the greatest risk of exposure. Yeah, I take back just what I said a few moments ago. So imidacloprid is used as a foliar by Bayer in a product called Leverage 360. And is that so. straight up imidacloprid or is it mixed with No, something? it's, uh, of course, mixed with beta-cyfluthrin. Okay. Yeah, I was confusing that with cobalt, which is a mix of two active ingredients. Yeah, so cobalt will be Dow. Leverage 360 would be bare product. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. Um, this is a, what do you think? This Certainly is hot topic. I mean, those people, yeah. I mean, it's usually like you're on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to some of the neonics. And so, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot of strong comments from both sides on this one. And the I think the reality is that it's, I don't think it's either or here, yeah. right? It's not. We have to use it everywhere. Yeah. You can't touch it. Don't affect the registration versus it's an outright ban. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some um, uh, somewhere in between there where some use is likely restricted. Th that's how I feel, too, because right now it's a product that a homeowner can use. Yeah. It's a product that you, know, you can use on a commercial level. But I do also have a feeling that it might be more restricted, um, that you just won't be able to use it whenever, wherever you want to. Um, that the label is going to have some very specific instructions for use. That's my guess. Yeah. Have you, I mean, we've been talking about the restriction and the use. We haven't really talked much about the impact or the evidence of the impact on honeybees and other bees. The one, uh, I'm curious what you think about that because it's, I, I, I see, I, I sort of feel like for the last, Eight years, I have seen increasing evidence in the published literature that imidacloprid or neonicotinoids, if they don't outright have some direct effect, there's some indirect effect um, that they have on honeybee health, if not their mortality. Is that your sense too? Do you have that same feeling, or am I, mean, I just? That's it's it's outside of my research. Yeah. Um, projects that I have established so that's that's harder for me to know because I don't visit bee yards 
you know, as far as like looking at bee kills mm -hmm. or I just don't see a lot of beehives around in you know, like commercial areas or like farmers telling me that they're worried about this or, you know, I guess I just talk to different people. I don't talk to beekeepers. And so to hear about like overwintering survival rates yeah. or spring kills, um, health of the of brood or, you know, the health of the queen, I just don't hear too I mean, you're much more into that than well, I, don't I am. I don't even know if I'm that much more into it. It's just in the you sense have that, students that are into it. Well, but to be fair, our my students are asking questions that aren't directly related to a metaclopred or neonics. Right. They're yeah. more bee health in general and, mm -hmm. and the effects of you know land use. Mm -hmm. And yeah, insecticide applications are part of that land use, but it's it's just one part. And I, I think the the story that I've kind of been hearing over the last eight ten years on this is. You know, things like colony collapse disorder or just the decline in, in bee populations, not just honeybees but other bees, is a function of multiple factors. Yeah. And, yeah, pesticide exposure is one of those. So the question then becomes, well, how much of an impact is exposure uh, to this general decline? Mm -hmm. And if you did do an outright ban, would it, would it matter given – the risk that bees are, have from pathogen exposures like varroa mites and the loss of quality forage, you know, with more intense agriculture. Have you ruled out cell phone towers? <laughs> I think, we, I think, <laughs> we, think we, we said that's no good. <laughs> yeah, we think we could roll that out. But the, um, but the growing evidence that even sublethal effects are occurring, and I, I was just reading a, a summary of a study over the weekend that exposure to both varroa mites and imidacloprid uh, has a greater effect on bees than the two alone mm. in, in terms of their ability to forage and fly for long distances. So mm -hmm. I, think it's, uh, I think it's hard to say that they don't have these, this class of insecticide doesn't have any impact. I think it's, but going forward, I think it's a, an interest, it's a challenging question because now that, you know, you have to balance the benefits of those insecticides with this, this negative impact. And yeah, I don't, I don't I'm not quite sure where that's going to end up, but. Yeah. And then for groups to specifically call out like monarch butterflies, you know, oh, they, they call yeah, out kind yeah. of the heartstring, <laughs> some of the insects that are really in the news lately for population decline on a landscape level so yeah I just I have to keep in mind beyond honeybees yeah the other maybe just not managed bees mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, the other non-targets like butterflies so 4,000 species of bees in North America and like you know we've, we I think I've talked about this before we see at least 50 of those uh, in corn and soybean fields in Iowa yeah yeah Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, there is this diversity, and, and if honeybees are being exposed to these things, so are these other bees. and The solitary or, yeah, yeah. everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, oh, and then, well, this is going a little bit maybe too deep inside baseball kind of talk, but really fascinating paper came out in Nature um, where an analysis of all the data that's been generated, you know, kind of to date, really in the last 10, 15 years, suggesting that, you know, the impact of native bees on pollination is a function of about 
20, 30% of all the species that are present. Mm. And that the, there are these species of bees that look like maybe they move from non-crop habitat into crop habitat to work those flowers uh, and provide a service. You know, so above and beyond what you see with honeybees. Mm. But it's it's just a subset. Yeah. Uh, you know, So you figure 30% of, say, 4,000, there's still thousands of bees out there that are probably pretty focused to just non-crop habitat, native habitat that hasn't maybe been yet disturbed. Or mm. Anyway. That's it, just it, a lot of bees. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of, and one, I mean, this has been kind of a downer discussion. <laughs> David Bowie dies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> taking the bees with him. Um, but there is this remarkable diversity out there that does have some value in terms of crop pollination and just in terms of pollinating, you know, native plants and wild wild plants anyway yeah is that a nice way to end it for now i mean i guess well, this discussion about imidacloprid yeah, is going to go on it's ongoing yeah. um and i think we mentioned before the open docket period for imidacloprid is open right now i think 60 days so, yeah, from 60, 60 the start days. of last week or the end of last okay. week so so, mm-hmm. so that's what january february mm-hmm. pretty much yep. and then EPA has some time to respond to that. I think so, and then they're going to keep going with the other ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we stay tuned. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd be curious to come back. So you spend uh, the next month going out to um, talk to farmers yeah. as part of the uh, Crop Advantage Series for Iowa State. Do you think this will come up at the Crop Advantage Series? Do you think any it hasn't of the people so far? You, yeah. Well, it just happened, right? I mean, in terms of it being public, did you? Yeah, I mean, well, I think it would, the announcement came out on the sixth, um, and I started. Yeah, the crop advantage started on the fifth. Um, I'm doing a couple each week for the next couple of weeks, so maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I know last month people were asking me about the lawsuit against Chlorpyrifos, and oh, right. so when yeah. I was at a couple of, of meetings, but. So they, they could be asking about this. You never know where the conversation goes sometimes. This becomes uh, a really I mean, complicated discussion because it's not just imidacloprid that's up for review or mm-hmm. consideration, chlorpyrifos, sofloxaflor, mm-hmm. that uh, not a neonic, neonic <laughs> that was uh, recently, what, restricted? Canceled. Canceled. Yeah. The registration was outright canceled. Yeah, um, yeah this is a... a I can imagine this being a challenging time, especially for farmers who do a lot of different crops, because yeah. some of the most popular one popular insecticides are they're on the chopping block mm-hmm. in some ways. So yeah. So we'll we'll probably keep talking about this yeah. going forward. But I'll be I'd be curious to hear when we come back next week okay. and um, what you're hearing when you uh, go to the Crop Advantage Series talks. Okay. People are coming to you with questions about this. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how I sometimes hear about, like, what farmers are really thinking, have questions on, is after the talk. They'll mm-hmm. come up to me and have, have some thoughts for me. So, yeah. Is it always, is it, let me, let me set the stage. You've just talked for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. On corn rootworm. Right, because, you know. What, what else, else is there? <laughs> what else are you going to talk about? And then uh, it's, you ask for questions. And then, see, they're asking, calling right now, asking for questions. You ask for questions. Nobody gives any questions. 80% of the people leave. Because it's probably lunch break or whatever. Cookies. And then there's two or three people that ask just this great question that you're like, why didn't you ask this when everybody was in the room? That doesn't often happen to me. Um, I don't get a lot of people asking questions. 
because you're so good. No. You've, you've um, answered all the questions with the talk. And I've tried to be a little bit better about leaving more time for questions. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see if that makes a difference this year. Instead of me, like, kind of talking up right to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I always get that when I teach, that oh. some student comes up and asks us great questions, like, if you had just, 30 seconds ago, before yeah, we dismissed in front of the class, group. Why, yeah. yeah, we would have all benefited from that. that yeah. Mm. Ah, these introverts. <sighs> we can't sensitive. help it, Matt. Mm. All right. All right, all right, <laughs> okay. all right. I got to rehash it. All right, this was great. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for taking, thanks for taking time to podcast. I know you got a yeah. busy schedule this month. So. Yeah, um, I want to keep it, keep it going. Keep yeah. the excitement going. Yeah, not going to stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Okay. All right, see you next time. Bye.